Welcome to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, the podcast for high achievers who want to stay sharp, focused, and full of energy despite their diagnosis. With your host, National Board Certified Functional Medicine Health Coach, Julie Michelson, where Julie helps you take your power back from autoimmunity. And now here's your host, Julie Michelson. Welcome back to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson, and today we are joined by Mira Desi, the ingredient guru, and we're talking about becoming an empowered shopper to improve your health. Mira gives us tips and tricks to navigate the grocery store and truly know what we're eating. Mira, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on, Julie. I would love for you to to allow listeners to get to know you a little bit by sharing your journey and your story, because it is so specific. (laughs) How how did you become the ingredient guru? Well, it was a long and winding path. I was not always in the field of nutrition or holistic health. I actually used to be a database administrator for an international research firm. And the interesting thing is, at that time, we were doing a lot of the things. We belonged to a CSA. We had a vegetable garden. I I baked all of our bread, you know, all those wonderful things. And so I was, of course, patting myself on the back that, you know, I'm taking care of myself and my family. Right. And over time, I began to get sicker and sicker. I wound up beginning to have massive amounts of pain and fatigue, digestive disorders, all kinds of things. And essentially, at a certain point, had an implosion, if you will, of my immune system. And to make a very long story a little bit shorter, the end result was I was diagnosed with five different autoimmune disorders. My primary was ulcerative colitis. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of the things I like to encourage people to remember is if you're diagnosed with one autoimmune disorder, chances are it's not hanging out by itself. It's that our medical system likes to put them into categories. So treat them as if they're each separate. However, your immune system is your immune system and it's either functioning the way it's designed to, or it's not. I love that you said that. Yes. (laughs) I get that all the time too. I don't have a diagnosis yet. Can you help me? Or, you know, what about this diagnosis person? I'm like, yes, let's go. Let's, let's fix it now. Right. And, you know, I, I think so for me, the part of the challenge was along the way to getting sicker and sicker, I would go to the doctors and my labs would come by, oh, you're fine. You know, and then I started and this breaks my heart because it happened to me. It has happened to many of my clients and it not only breaks my heart, it, it just pisses me off was the, you know, maybe you should talk to somebody uh-huh. making it, might it sound like it's head. just me I know and yeah. I live inside my skin I know how my body is supposed to feel we all do even if somebody tries to tell you other I was I was also the person with multiple autoimmune and beautiful labs it, yeah, yeah. Really. And, <laughs> and at a certain point though you get to the point I couldn't function I was living my life on the sofa I had yep. to choose between was I going to do laundry that day or was I going to make dinner yeah I was sleeping I was resting while my kids were at school so that I yeah. could take care of them when they came home and then you know pray they'd want to go to bed early <laughs> and, so, and, yeah. and I remember you know my kids standing over me going get up I need you and I'm like I can't like yeah. it's, and I, you know, it's it's very challenging. It's so hard when you're going through that because then you start beating yourself up and going, "What's you, wrong with me?" You start questioning. I remember a conversation I had with my best friend, and I was like, "Maybe I'm depressed." And she said, "Well, let's let's talk it through." And I'm like, "Well, you know, the pain, the fatigue. I could check all the boxes." And she goes, "Yeah, but are you depressed?" And I'm like. Well, no, but <laughs> they they think I might be. You know? yeah. She's like, no, 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 <laughs> um, yeah. And and, and it, what pisses me off is that you having five diagnoses isn't even unusual. Like right. you would think that should be almost unheard of, and at the very least, alarming. 
for the doctors, but it's not, it's like you said, you know, even if there's so, well, so and, how and did you go from, me, yeah. yeah, on so the couch, me, the, 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 one of the things that caused that, that coin to flip, if you will, mm-hmm. in one week, I had two medical appointments. The first one was with my rheumatologist who said to me, I want to prescribe a medication for you, but I don't know if your endocrinologist will like it. So I'm not going to do it. And I'm not a very confrontational person. So I was just kind of like, okay. But then as I was driving home, I was like, wait, wait a minute. First Did of all, you just say you're not going to do your job. <laughs> like, why, why would you tell me if you're not going to do anything? Like, what does that do for me? Yeah. And secondly, aren't you both doctors? Don't you people talk to each other? And the answer, right. of course, is no. The second appointment was with a brand new to me cardiologist. And I thought he was going to want to hear my whole story. So I walked in all ready to like share. And he went, "Ah, ah, ah, Mrs. Desi, you are getting older. I was 42 years old. And that was what it took for me to get mad. And then I started screaming at my insurance company and advocating for myself wound up getting, you know, some, some high level sort of testing and all of that came back with two things from all of that. One was a few of my, my, you know, protocols were changed, but I, I was encouraged to advocate for myself because I realized that I really had to be the most active participant in my own healthcare and the startling awareness that nobody was talking about food. And even so, with a GI, so that's the part. Yeah. That, uh, right. And no, uh, nobody, nobody really talked about food. And no. as I began to dive in, I began to realize there were a whole bunch of things that were still in my pantry that were really bad for you. And I began to clean up my diet. I realized I needed to know more. I went back to school, became a nutrition educator. And then from there began unintentionally, but began my own practice. And then because of my beautiful clients wound up writing a book because I had to say the same thing over and over and over, (laughs) like there needs to be a book. So that was when I wrote The Pantry Principle. And that basically just launched me down the path to becoming the ingredient guru. I love it. I love it. And I, I share that my oldest son from birth was a projectile vomiter, horrible reflux, terrible, poor little thing, terrible GI system, skinny, you know, just, and saw the best <laughs> air quotes experts. Um, and of course they medicated the snot out of this poor baby. And he Usually that, you know, even infants that have reflux, it'll correct. Um, I mean, he was still medicated as a toddler. Nobody ever asked me and I didn't know enough back then. No one ever said, what is he eating? Nobody said to me when I was nursing, what are you eating? Right. Nobody ever said it. Turns out, you know, hindsight's 2020, he's celiac. Oh. And it it took 12 years to finally figure out, oh, maybe what you're eating. <laughs> and part of the challenge is even if you know that tiny bit to go to your doctor and say, hey, I think I may have some food sensitivities. I think there's an issue with this or whatever. They go, nah, you know. Yeah, that's not enough to. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and so it really becomes. And, to, and we're not, I'm not bashing doctor. I live no, with one. Like either. <laughs> to, I, to be I, fair. I have, I have been the beneficiary the of system. wonderful medical care. Yes. I think the challenge is doctors are very, very good at what they do. What they do does not typically include nutrition. Right. Which is yeah. why I love my current. GI doc because he is more functionally minded and he does. He's a unicorn. You know, pay attention to (laughs) FODMAPs if they have gastrointestinal issues and wow, kind of thing. Yes, so like that's great, but that also again requires being an advocate for yourself and saying, okay, I'm seeing this doctor right now. Not the best fit for me. Not the best partner for me. Right. I'm going to continue to look and see if there are other options. Yes. And I love that you use that word partner because that's, that's the key. And that's a shift from how we were taught 
mm-hmm. to you know work with our doctors. They knew everything, and we were supposed to just do what they say, take what they tell us, you know. Um, and that really, that that's the perfect, you know, your doctor should be your partner in your health journey and your wellness. So I love that that you use that word. And and I, you know, I want to also fast forward all these years later and tell you that my last colonoscopy, because at this point I've had a number of them uh, with a diagnosis of ulcerous colitis that happens. Uh, but my last colonoscopy, I was told that there are no more signs of ulcerative colitis in my system. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. The body can heal? <laughs> 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 you know, and, and and here's the thing: there are admittedly varying degrees. The colon is very long, and different sections can Absolutely. be more than others. Like some people do require surgery, some people require lifelong medication. I was able to get off medication, and I was able to restore gut function. Um, but it it is possible for that to happen. It is. And I tell people and people read my story and they know, you know, I got off of 10 prescriptions and and they'll come to me and say, yeah, I want to do what you did. I want to get off my meds. And I'm like, I just wanted to feel well. Like that was a side effect of correcting the underlying drivers. And, and so, you know, sometimes it takes lifestyle and medication. Sometimes the medication is that bridge while things are healing. Um, but there's no... I, to me, like the win isn't, there's no judgment. Are you on medication? Are you not on on medication? It's what is your quality of life? And is life getting bigger and better as we age or is it getting smaller? That's, that's what I look at. So I love that you said that, you know, it is, it's all different degrees. Um, But it is crazy thinking that like your intestines can heal. Yes, of course they can. And, and even more than that, I also like when I'm working with clients, I really like to encourage them that anything that we can do to improve where you are right now is worth doing. Can I guarantee that you're going to get off medication? No. Can I guarantee that things are going to go back to the way they were, however long ago it was before you guys say, no, I can't. But if we can do things so that you are actually nourishing your body, so that you are practicing self-care, getting good quality sleep, doing all these things that support a balanced body state, you are going to feel better to some degree. And and that's better than where you were. Like that's the goal is just to feel better and to make sure that you're doing the best you can to take care of yourself. I love that. And every little inch we move the needle gives us more energy and motivation to address more things and other areas. And and so it it is, it's a, it's totally a process. It's a lifelong, I'm still always adjusting. I feel amazing. I didn't know I could feel this well at 54. I know really, but I'm also still always looking for the, like, what else can I do? And, and we're never done in the sense that if I go back to living how I was living before, I will go back to being as sick as I was. I mean, it's, I have to protect all those things you were talking about, not just what I eat, but how is my sleep? And, you know, am I moving the right way? Am I managing my stress? And there's no one stress isn't static. Right. You know, and so I may have a great stress management routine and then I, I may need to up level sometimes. (laughs) So, or also human, not perfect. Maybe it's slipping and I'm not, paying attention, just time to adjust. And and that's exactly what I was going to say too, because we are human and we are in situations sometimes where challenges come up. And again, being your own advocate is one of the biggest things you can do in the beginning of a journey where you are changing your food, changing your holistic health patterns, really paying attention to all of that, that we've operated on by autopilot for so long. Typically, you are going to run into either a provider, a friend, a neighbor, or a family member who's going to go, you're so hard to feed. Like, really, do you have to do all this? Or is that really how a little bit is not going to kill you? Right. (laughs) And so what happens is you start getting into this, I feel guilty because I'm forcing other people to accommodate me. And then learning ways to meet your own needs without having to overwhelm other people. And I love that 
you know, in the beginning, I will admit that my family was kind of like, but we we like Captain Crunch and mm-hmm. other. Oh, but you had to let it get soggy first, or it would scratch up the roof of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I joke with people like I was not born a health coach. I ate. You know, all the all the things dis- things I find disgusting now, I thought were delicious back then. You know, I couldn't even imagine. Um but but learning learning how to make those changes and learning how to advocate for yourself and also yeah. learning where you need to flex. So yes. recently, for example, I was at a birthday party with a family member and it was a big celebration, lots of family around, and I really knew that I wanted to participate. And so I said to them, I am going to have one bite of cake to celebrate you because it was not the kind of cake that I would make and want to eat, but it's, that's about celebration. That's about being human. And really that one bite was totally fine. It's not like I ate it and I'm like, man, I wish I could have a whole slice of cake. Like I didn't Because that's the other thing that happens is as we begin to nourish our body, as we begin to take care of ourselves, a lot of those cravings, a lot of that, oh, got to have it, that goes away. It does. It really does. And I will qualify that by I will not take the one bite because I have celiac and I'll be sick. Right. So for, for you, days. that's not an option. Right? And that, but that's so empowering to know, right? Like maybe I'll have a bite of cheese. Yeah. Or, you know, I know where I can sneak a little something once in a blue moon. And, and I always say, you know, there's certain things that aren't going to make me sick, like something like gluten um, and, and dairy. I said cheese, but that, that really wouldn't be my sneak. It would probably be a tomato. Um, <laughs> but also it, it, it's that the power of knowing what the you're going to be dealing with. So maybe it's not going to make you feel sick, but maybe your brain's not going to function that well. So don't do that right before you get up in front of an audience, right? Mm-hmm. Like really oh, absolutely or finding ways, you know, can you bring yeah. a gluten-free cupcake and right. celebrate that way? Can you Yeah, absolutely. An or offer an option. You know, I also when I was visiting with this family, I offered to make brunch one day and I don't think anybody there paid attention, but it was a gluten-free. Right. And that's the other thing. I I think, you know, first we have to retrain and get over this, like apologizing for taking care of ourselves and, and be okay with not everyone's going to understand, right. Or support or, or whatever, but also we make good food Mm -hmm. and it's real food. And even people with terrible diets enjoy it. And you yeah. don't have to explain, well, this is grain free. And this is, I have friends that don't eat real food mm-hmm. and they come over and they eat the cassava tortillas with the homemade guac. And they don't say like, Ew, where's the corn, right? Like, it's, right. Um, so I, I think, like you said, if they don't, especially if they don't know, if some people, if you tell them like, I'm going to make a gluten-free brunch for you. They've they already put it in their head. Yeah. They're, they're just thinking, oh, that's going to be gross. <laughs> and and I, I love also that when we make good, delicious food and we simply serve it without having to apologize, yes. without having to explain, but we can all enjoy it together. Nobody questions it. They just want to sit down and enjoy a meal with you. Right. And that's, it's the connection. It's not really the food. Yes, we have memories tied to foods. And I joke, I've yet to have a client that, you know, a salad is what gives her that gooey feeling about her mom. (laughs) You know, it's never a salad. (laughs) Uh, But it will maybe our kids or their kids. Um, Well, and, and, and I think the other thing too, is like you said, for you with celiac disease, that's a huge issue. You know, for me, I just know there's all the ingredients, all the challenging non-food things that they do to food. I'm very sensitive to that. I, people like me, I consider us the, the canaries in the coal mine of food, you know, let's talk about the non-food ingredients because sure. you know we're chatting because we're talking about real food and we know what we're talking about and yeah. you can pick on gluten you can pick on dairy or sugar any of it but but really let's let's talk about you know from the perspective of the ingredient guru you know, what is 
what is real food? Like when I say, oh, we're talking about real food, not, you know, what are those things? What are share with us? Sure. Well, and, and just to back up and finish what I was going to say though, is that I know that I cannot add those other things back in because if I do, it is a slow decline back to living my life on the sofa yes. and I refuse to go back there. Right. So, And you don't have to. <laughs> I don't, right. I don't have to. And so yeah. I define real food as either unprocessed or low processed with no non-nutritive added ingredients. Awesome. So for example, I'm pretty sure everybody listening knows that things like artificial colors, artificial sweeteners, and artificial flavors are not real food. It kind of says so in the name. But what about natural flavors? Oh, I love that you brought that up. Yes, because part of the challenge is natural is one of those wonky terms that encompasses just about anything. Yes, natural. Yeah, it is. And... I will also say that this is like a really great place to talk about this. You can only control what you can control. In my home, in my own home, I can control everything. If I'm out or if I'm at somebody else's house, there's only so much that I can do. Yeah. So the the goal is to be as avoidant as possible for those things that are not food, but to not freak out. We don't want to develop orthorexia where we can't go anywhere or eat anywhere except our own home and we can only eat certain things like that becomes very restrictive and very overwhelming. However, I do encourage avoiding anything that says natural because you never know what it is. An example of that is natural vanilla flavor. Mm-hmm could be something called castoreum. Now, here's the thing. Castoreum by itself is apparently not harmful for you. What I object to is they don't tell you what it is. They just hide it because they know if people went and looked it up to see what it was, they would not eat it. It is the anal gland secretion of beavers. I call it beaver butt. You don't want that? (laughs) I don't think anybody would ever go and order that. <laughs> so, well, so here's the weird thing. There is a liquor over in Scandinavia that <laughs> is made with castoreum and they proudly announce it on the label. Um, yay for and them. I bet it tastes like vanilla. <laughs> Probably does. <laughs> uh, so not, not my choice, but, but again, they're hiding it. And so some of the natural flavorings can be true extracts from you steep something and you get the essential oils out of it and it, you know, becomes a flavor, a fragrance, whatever. However, because of the federal guidelines behind what constitutes a natural flavor, they can do so many things to it and add so many chemicals and instruct extracted and manipulated in so many ways that all of a sudden it bears no resemblance whatsoever to what it started from. And so we want to watch out for that. I I also really strongly encourage people to look at the ingredient panel because most people, when they go, oh yeah, I read labels. I, I'm really good about reading labels and what they're reading. And they are, and I congratulate you for that. Like, that's great. However, what they're talking about is the nutrition panel. Mm-hmm. The the nutrition facts, how many calories, how much sugar, how much fat, all of that. That's only a tiny piece of what's going on. And that, by the way, can be very misleading. We can go back to that in just a minute. <laughs> uh, but the real information about what you're consuming is those ingredients. Yes. And you it, need to read that. Yeah. I, I Listeners know I've shared this before, but when my daughter was in high school, so to me, it was like my crowning moment as a mother. She called me during lunch because she and her friends had gone to the grocery store to pick up snacks for lunch, not really lunch. And she said, you've ruined my life. <laughs> I was all, you know, I, I don't even remember what it was. That wasn't even the important part. You know, I, I, I wanted such and such. And then I read the ingredients and now I couldn't possibly eat it, you know? And it was like, yes, she's going to be okay. <laughs> my job here is done. Yeah. Mic drop. <laughs> I love That's it. Awesome. I don't know. And, and um, let's talk a minute and we, we kind of hit on it with the natural flavor and 
But but let's talk about a little deeper in the you know the information is in the ingredients. Um, I, I hate to to sound all conspiracy theorists, but <laughs> do you think the marketing on the front of the package is often misleading? Oh, absolutely. Manufacturers use that to manipulate and misguide you on a regular basis. So that is something called front of package labeling. And they, first of all, food producers spend tens of millions of dollars a year to try to figure out what are the words that are going to attract us? What are the things that are going to encourage us to want to buy their product and hopefully encourage us to pay no attention to what's on that ingredient panel. Mm -hmm. And as an example for that, I use that, you know, a couple of decades ago, fiber was the big thing. Everybody needed to get enough fiber. So you would look at bread or cereals or other processed foods, and it would tell you, oh, made with so many whole grains, made with so many grams of fiber, all that kind of stuff. But if you flipped it around, often the number one ingredient was still enriched wheat flour. Right. (laughs) <laughs> a highly processed, high glycemic, non-nutritive food. Uh, and now we've gone through several iterations where different things have been important. And yeah. the big thing at the moment is protein. I mean, my my joke is, you know, with apologies to Dave Barry, because I borrowed it from him. I think they would put protein in shoe polish if they thought it would sell more. <laughs> you know? I mean, they, they yeah. want to use whatever words they think we're paying attention. Keto is the other big thing. They're making keto everything. Well, and vegan. I have, I'm not even kidding you. I've seen vegetables labeled as vegan. I'm like, how could they not be vegan? They're vegetables. And my favorite, I actually took a, a, a picture um, and sent it to a few people in my life that understand me. There's a product <laughs> called Don't Come After Me, uh, Just Eggs, yeah. Just Eggs. And it looks like it comes in a plastic bottle. Okay. Not great right there, but it looks like eggs. It just looks like, you know, raw scrambled eggs. There is not an egg. What? It's not eggs. It's an egg. No, sandwich. it's plant-based. And, and so it's, it's called plant-based. just eggs. It should be called just not eggs. Like, right. But that's, it's such a, it, it's for me, like such a shining, like there's misleading and then there's like actually just opposite of true. Right. <laughs> well, and the, and the thing that I struggle with is food producers look for a couple of things. One is they want it to be a true a a trend, not a fad. A fad right. is something that comes and goes very quickly and yeah. maybe they can capitalize on it, but in the long run, it doesn't really do a lot for them. Trends are things that stick around either because a larger segment of the population needs to eat that way and is grateful that they've started doing this or because other people who had not considered doing that before have been attracted to that idea. Right. Gluten-free is a very good example of that. There is a segment of the population that must eat gluten-free. It's very important to them. Otherwise, they are horrifically ill. And then there are some people who have, um, you know, they're, they're not diagnosed with any sort of disorder that precludes adding gluten, but they know they feel better when they don't eat it. Right. So they, they don't have a specific diagnosis. And then there are other people who are like, you know, I just, I like the idea and it tastes good. And so I'm going to do that. So that has become a trend. They love that. So now one of the I things- I still wouldn't eat most of that stuff. I wouldn't either because it's <laughs> highly processed. Right. Yeah. But I'm just saying they're looking to capture larger and larger sure. market share. So now one of the things that's happened is plant-based looks like it's at that tipping point to become a trend rather than a fad because more and more people are jumping on that bandwagon. And so they have begun going after larger and larger segments of the grocery store to try to figure out how they can make it, you know, vegan or plant-based using those two terms interchangeably Mm -hmm. to try to attract larger market share. Because unfortunately, a lot of people seem to think that food producers are in the business of making food and they're really, (laughs) no, they're in the business of making money. Farmers make food. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And, and so that's why we have so many different things that we see now. And it gets very confusing sometimes, like you said, because they're misleading about what's in there. Um, one of my least favorite things at the grocery store now is the 
bizarre number of beyond, you know, oh. beef, chicken, whatever type product. Beyond, beyond food. Right. And, and there, and there are more brands coming to market going after that segment. And all of a sudden you can have, you know, burgers and, and steaks and chicken and all these things that are not meat. And my thing is, and I don't understand, I I have, maybe you can explain it to me. Um, And I, I don't judge what anybody chooses to eat or not eat. That's not true. Not anybody. If you're eating real food and you're, you're making choices for whatever reason, Great. The part I don't understand is if you don't want to eat meat, why do you want a burger? Like I, right. I don't get that part. And, and I think the reason they, the reason food producers are trying to tap into that is because they're hoping to attract enough um, meat eaters. <laughs> yeah, right. They're enough omnivores to go. Hey, sure, you can be omni all you want, but you know, sometimes maybe you want a little break. Come over and have our product. Right, and, and they're marketing it as healthier, and it is right. not. It's not. No, no, totally not. Yeah, and, and so again, it's about market share. It's about what they're doing. The, one of the latest products that I just did a mini rant about on my <laughs> YouTube channel was a breakfast cereal that is supposed to help you sleep better. What? And, oh, yes. They put melatonin in it. <laughs> Come on. And then no, you're I'm supposed totally to have it in the morning? You're, you're supposed gonna post- to have it at night. No, you're supposed oh. to have it before you go to bed. It's like a little snack. You could have, so you can have cereal in the morning for breakfast. Oh, no. And then you can finish your day with another bowl of cereal. And there's massive amounts of sugar in it. So I don't care how much melatonin they put in there. It's an exploded grain. And it's got a lot of sugar. And it's like the last thing you should be eating before you go to bed, not, oh not my the God. last thing you should be eating. It is the, the thing you should not do. Not, just don't do it. <laughs> you know, and, and they do that because, I mean, the cereal aisle has become- Well, sleep is so important. So I'm being healthy. <laughs> well, I can... What I was going to say is the cereal aisle has become an alleyway at the grocery store. There's, oh. you know, hundreds of different kinds of cereal- and they've pretty much tapped that out. So now if they want to grow, they have to figure out what's the next thing we can do. Well, let's figure out how to get people to eat more cereal. I know maybe they should eat it at bedtime. It's it's insane. Well, and they're tapping into the, again, it's that idea of that's the part that frustrates me the most is marketing to people who are trying to make a health conscious choice, right? Oh, I've, you know, I understand sleep is an important part of overall health. I'm going to buy this garbage cereal and eat that at night before I go to bed and really mess with my system. But mm-hmm. it, it's just frustrating to me. Worse than, you know, you want to buy a box of donuts, buy a box of donuts and tell yourself you're having the donuts. But that marketing of, of products, I won't even call that it manipulates food. you into it's, thinking that you're doing something that's yeah. good for you. And really Someone's good. actually taking that extra minute to try to make the better choice which goes back to the way to do that is to turn the box around and read the ingredients. Yes. Yeah. And and the other thing that I will share also, and this taps back into what we were talking about before, the more you start to include real whole foods, getting enough vegetable content, getting good quality protein, getting clean fats into your diet, the better you feel the less you want those things. And it gets to the point where, I mean, I love going to the grocery store because I love seeing all the stupid stuff they're doing. And I just like read the packages and take pictures and it's great, but I don't buy them. I don't want them. As a matter of fact, I'm in the middle of doing a piece about cereal that I'm working on. And I had to ask my neighbors if they would bring me cereal boxes because I wasn't going to buy them. Right. I refuse to spend my money on this. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. So this sounds so cliche, um, but this idea of shopping the outside of the grocery store, is that something you believe in? I love that you brought that up. Oh my gosh. So there are some benefits to shopping the perimeter of the grocery store. 
And, you know, I will, first of all, I want to address a lot of people go, oh, they put the milk in the back because you have to walk all the way to the back. It's a ploy to get you into the grocery store. No, it's convenient because the back is where the loading docks are. And, and so, the refrigerated And the walk-ins. And the, and the freezers <laughs> typically are closest to the loading doors. So that's why they're there. But typically you walk into usually the produce side mm-hmm. of things. And then there's a certain path that you go around. Maybe you go through the the deli or the bakery or whatever, and then you walk your way around. There's a couple of things that you have to watch out for in the perimeter of the grocery store, however. One is grocery manufacturers or grocery stores, grocery chains have learned that people are saying, oh, I only shop the perimeter like it's the healthiest place. I don't go in the middle of the store. So they their job is to sell more stuff. Their margins are very thin, something like 3%. And so the more they can sell you, the better they do. They have started doing something called product creep. So product creep is where, let's say you walk into the produce section and it's strawberry season. And all of a sudden there's this new little refrigerated case in the produce section. And it's got those little squishy, spongy things that are supposed to be angel food cake mm-hmm. and cans of whipped cream. Cool whip. <laughs> strawberry shortcake. And the strawberries are fragrant because they're fresh. They haven't been held over, you know, and then force ripened. They are literally fresh and they are the most fragrant. They're going to be all year round. And it just attracts you. And you're like, oh yeah, strawberry shortcake. I'll just buy some of this and this. Or you get over to the, the vegetable section and all of a sudden now there's a whole case that has salad dressings in it. Didn't used to be there, you know, so they, they put things. Croutons. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So they put things from other sections of the grocery store into the perimeter to try to convince you to buy more products. And then the other thing that we need to keep in mind is yes, there are more whole foods in the perimeter, but you still have to know the quality of what you're getting is your dairy free of added hormones and antibiotics and other things like that for your produce? Are you aware of the dirty dozen, those 12 fruits and vegetables that are most likely to be contaminated by pesticides? You really need to buy those organic. Right. If, you know, So just being aware of what's in each of the different sections and how to make the best choice for you. I love that. I, I love the, and, and yeah, it's not like, oh, but it was on the outside. So I'm sure this whipped cream is good for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> there is, and that's the thing. It's just like being your own advocate, you know, with your healthcare. It's the same. It is on us to do a little bit of our homework. We have to, we have to, you know, take responsibility for what we're buying and what we're putting in our mouth. And I would also encourage anybody who's listening to this, please don't feel that you have to like throw out everything that's in your pantry, go to the grocery store, spend seven hours there, like carefully <sighs> micromanage your grocery shop and then come home because that's exhausting. And and I don't know anybody who could stick to that. The goal is no. one thing that's important to you. So if your family consumes a lot of dairy products, then look Ooh. at how do we make the healthiest dairy choices that we can. If your family is going away from all of the ready, carby, starchy things, finding those better options for you, learning about the dirty dozen, like pick one thing and master that before you go on to another section of the grocery store. Because if you try to do it all at once, it's not sustainable. But if you make those baby steps, every single thing that you do, eventually down the road, when you look back, becomes a lot of things. I love that. Yeah. And I like the that advice of there's so many things that you've said that mirror the way I live and work with my clients around toxins. Same thing, right? To me, no, we can't avoid toxins. We can't live in a bubble. And if we did, what would it be made out of? Um, you know, but I want my home to be my haven. That is where I I am as close to perfect as you can be because this is where I spend all my time. And then I have that resilience to take the hits in the outside world, right? Mm -hmm. And you're saying that it's the same thing with, and so I'm always looking for, 
bang for the buck. Like I love uh, when people are looking at cleaning products. I love starting with detergent because yeah, it touches absolutely. everything. You're sleeping on your sheets. You're wearing your clothes. You're drying oh, off. You know, it's drying off with a towel. Yeah, yeah and that's absolutely. essentially it's that same idea. And I, I wouldn't say throw out everything in your home and go spend, you know, two thousand dollars <laughs> with on all clean stuff. No, it's a process. Mm-hmm. And and like you said, every every step really does have more and more lasting impact. Um, and so I love that that's your same approach with with the food. Like at home, you're really careful. Let's not make yourself crazy right. you know, somewhere else. And if we try to, you know change it all up at once. We're going to do it for like a week and we're going to hate life and we're never going to do it again. And we're you gonna, have to do what hard. works for you because yeah. what works for one person isn't necessarily the answer for someone else. And that's, oh, I think, thanks. part of where people get so overwhelmed because there's so much that you can address and trying to figure out where to start, what's the best thing for you. Yeah. And, and that's where you really, again, you step into that self-advocacy role where you really step up and you think, what do I need? How do I take care of myself? And then from there, it's kind of like, you know, the other analogy that I like for this, when, when you travel on the airplane, everybody's heard this talk a million times, <laughs> nobody listens anymore, but yeah. put your own mask on first and then yeah. somebody else's. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to health and well-being and how you nourish your family, take care of yourself first, get yourself right. strong. And then from there, be able to make decisions that then can support those you love. Well, and you know, and I know, because we lived it, that, that when you don't, you can't take care of everybody else anyway. So right. um, you become a better mother, wife, partner, friend, daughter, whatever. Um, yes. Fill in the blank when you take care of yourself first. And you're teaching your children by example to do the same. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Which is Absolutely. is amazing. Oh, um, I, we joke because I, my oldest who has celiac and when he was sick, he did outgrow his his GI symptoms um, probably at around age four. And so then it really didn't seem like celiac at all. And But he, you know, right before middle school, toward the end of elementary school, started being homesick a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, no GI symptoms. What did I do? I did what my mother did. I gave him saltines. I gave mm-hmm. him, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like the running joke in our head. You know, you sent me home Fred, you were trying to kill me. And I'm like, no, I did what. And so we're, we're changing the cycle when you start bringing in the real food and teaching kids to read labels. And it just becomes that that's, they're not having to relearn everything decades later. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, so such gold. I love it. It's amazing. (laughs) And I, I'm assuming I know the answer to this, but obviously my audience is autoimmune or touched by autoimmune. Your life has been as has mine. But what about the people that, well, how do you get buy-in from the people that think they feel well? I love that you asked that because that is, you know, so my my area of focus is gut health and chemical cleanup. And frequently, you know, I have someone who's come to see me because they're having issues or they've been referred to me by somebody else. And the rest of their family is like, oh, you're going to take away the food that I love, oh, you know, whatever. Because some of these foods too are so addictive. There's so they much, are. so much salt, hyper palatable, and we really do become addicted to them. And well, they're literally designed in a lab for us to become addicted to them. Yes, they, they are. Yeah. And, and so that's where I you know, I feel having backup is always a good idea. Mm-hmm. And my book, The Pantry Principle has the backup because there's all the research, all the studies, all the information. And I encourage them to start sharing that with their family. And, you know, I, I love it when someone says to me, oh, you know, my husband really resisted for the longest time. The other day we went to the store, we were looking for something it had carrageenan in it and he put it back. And I'm like, yay! Yes, you know, because they yeah. it takes 
time. And at, at a certain point, you have to sometimes say to your family, this is what I need to do to get healthy. So I'm going to ask you guys to support me and be on this journey with me so that I can be healthy. But then along the way, you also find teachable moments or ways to share information. My husband will say that I overshare. <laughs> Um, oh, I'm, yeah, you and me both, sister. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, to just find ways to help them understand because one, it is hyperpalatable. Two, we're frequently changing years of eating experience. Yes. And that doesn't change overnight. Right. Yeah. Really but have, have you ever, I literally don't think I've ever no matter what the resistance was in the beginning, you know, uh, partners, family, spouses, everybody does end up really becoming very fond of real food. Yes. <laughs> like you said, it's a process do. and it takes time, but I've never had anybody like there's, I've never had somebody have a holdout in their family. Yeah. Like it just, it really does eventually trickle down at least within the household. Right. That within household. within the household. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. and there may be extended family members who sure. will accommodate you when you're around kind of thing. Right. And, and go back fine. to what they're doing when you're not around. And that's <laughs> yeah. fine. That's their choice. Right. But at, at the very top of that chain is the, this is what I need to do. I mean, I have sometimes if I'm going to be someplace for an extended period of time, I have offered to go grocery shopping for them so that I mm -hmm. can choose the things that I want. Right. Uh, you know, but it it's really just about doing the best you can. And like you said, in your home environment, making that what serves you best. I love that. And where you need to, I told you before we hit record, I'm in about an hour leaving for the airport and I'll be with family um, for the weekend and um, I'm bringing food. Mm -hmm. I'm bringing food in my suitcase. I know, not just in my carry-on, but because then they don't have to worry about it. And I can say, you know, and then there's no poor me. I can't eat the, no, I have my clean protein in my bag. I, you know, I, I have the things that I know will keep me feeling well and yes. healthy. And yes. so, you know, that's a, not everybody needs to go to that length. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to, you know, come back home and get right back to work. And I want to feel well. I, that's my priority. Um, and then there's no, I'm not going to shame anybody. People always think I'm judging. You must get this too. I'm judging what they're eating. No, I'm not. I don't I'm care. Not. I, I got to a point where, you know, I, I would sometimes go out with friends and we'd be at a restaurant and everybody would yeah. just sort of be looking like, you yeah. know, and I'm like, what are you guys waiting for? And they're like, we want to see what you're going to order. I'm like, yeah. please order what you want. And finally got to a point where I was like, you know what, unless you're paying me, I don't really care what you're eating. Right. And right. even if you are paying me, there is no judgment because no. you're learning how to eat differently. Yeah. Like, please don't choose based on what I do. Because the other thing right. is what I do may not be a good fit for you. What if exactly. you're sensitive to nightshades and I happen to love them and I'm ordering a, you know, an eggplant caponata, like, sorry. Right. Yeah. No, it's so true. So I'm so glad. I'm so glad I'm not alone. We overshare and we don't care what you're doing unless you want help. That's different. Right. It's very and, different. And, and the other thing is those people who do choose to work with practitioners like us, you're here because unfortunately the rest of the medical system has underserved you. Right. You're here because you want to make a change. You just need a guide. You yeah. need someone to support you while you do this to yes. help you learn how to navigate this often confusing and overwhelming. Yeah. And to keep you from trying to do all of it at once. At once. Right. <laughs> we were right. just exactly. talking about because it's not going to work. Right. <laughs> I find so, sometimes I, you know, I'm like, wow, the basis of my job is like reeling people in, you know, educate and then reel them in and let's slow this path down a little bit. Right. So, and uh, and even more than that is also remembering getting people to 
remember to congratulate themselves for what they've accomplished. Yes. I find also often, you know, I'll, you get to a certain point with a client and they're like, oh, I can't believe this is taking so long. It's like, wait, let's stop. Let's review. Where yes. has it come from? Like, what have we done? Look at all these things yes. that you accomplished and look at how much better you are feeling now Yeah, because of that. And yeah. they, all of a sudden their eyes kind of, brighten up a little bit and they smile and it, because we're so forward focused in our culture. Oh, it's, it's like, like once we've accomplished you know, something that's been there, done that. What's I next? on the target, you know, yeah. like, yeah. And yeah. it is, it's a long road and it's a lot of little wins and milestones along the way. Yes. Um, we have to remember so. to look back and see where we've yeah. been. Love that. That's, that is, that is the other really big part of our job. <laughs> <laughs> So you've already given us so many things people can just, you know, take and run with, but that's just the way I designed the podcast. I always put my guest on the spot at the end and ask for that one step listeners can take today. So it could be something you already gave us or could be something totally out of left field. You know, I really feel the one best thing that you can do is make a habit of reading the label of anything you put in your pantry. So when you buy it, look at that label. Even if you're not ready to make changes based on what is going into the pantry right now to get into the habit of reading that label so that as you learn more, you can begin to spot things and go, oh, wait, that has polysorbate 80 in it. I really don't want to eat that anymore. Or, oh, this has monosodium glutamate, you know, or a, a form of it. And I don't want to eat that anymore. But if you get in the habit of reading the label, then that makes it that much easier to make those changes once you're ready to make that shift. I love that. And that is, it's the essential first step. It, yeah. It's, you know, because... You, you're not going to know until you start reading the labels. Yeah. Um, but I love that, that you highlighted, you're not saying, you know, don't bring any of these things into your house, just start to learn, create that habit of reading the labels, yeah. the ingredients, the ingredient panel. <laughs> yes. oh, I love it. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. You and I could talk for hours and hours and hours. But I love it because, you know, much like probably your husband would agree, not not everybody wants to hear the same person share and share and share and share. Um, and so uh, I just love that you you gave us so many tips and tricks today and really just incredible advice for not trying to go overboard and sabotaging ourselves. Yeah. Thank you. Mira, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, before we go, I, I almost ran myself. For those that listen on the go, we're going to have links and things, but where's the best place to find you if they're not going to pull up show notes? Sure. The, so the best place to find me is the ingredient guru.com. And you know, that you see has- my my blog links to social. I mean, I am Perfect. on Instagram and YouTube and all of that as the ingredient guru. But if you start with the website, you'll pretty much get to everything else. I love that. That's uh, keep it keep it simple, keep it easy. Thank you yeah. again for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me on. It was super fun to talk with you. My pleasure. For everyone listening, remember you can get those show notes and transcripts by visiting inspiredliving.show. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guests. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, helping you take your power back.